I'm Gab, he's Jules. Uh, Blue Skies over West London after a horrendous start yeah. to the day. Yeah. We don't say Jules, nothing lasts forever, even cold November rain. That's uh, true. What a show we have, so much so that we have to bring in Mark Ogden. Yes, because we'll be talking look at him. We're talking about plenty of stuff, don't worry. Barcelona sticking it up, Real Madrid scoring five, Liverpool winning, Arsenal winning, uh, Milan almost losing, Napoli changing yeah. managers. Yeah. Plenty of that, and Harry Kane scoring a million goals. But Stamford Bridge, Chelsea, and Manchester City. It finishes 4-4. You want draw this game had all the drama in the world. So much excitement, I think, for a neutral. But I'm gonna chuck this question out there. And I really don't want to be I'm gonna direct it at the man in black first. Blue. Blue, whatever, I'm colorblind. Um, was this a good game technically? Because when you go back to the goals, you see so many mistakes, many of them unforced, many of them by people who don't normally make those mistakes. Yeah, come on. I mean, football's entertainment, isn't it? It's not all about puritism at the times. It was raining, the pitch was wet, and the, it, that sort of conditions lends itself to mistakes. I thought it was a really good game. It, it will already go down as a Premier League classic. Now, you might think that it shouldn't be because technically it wasn't the greatest game, but there's some great goals, there's some great performances. You know, I thought Cole Palmer was excellent technically. He was excellent. Some players weren't so good technically, Nickel Jackson. But I think it was a great game to watch. If you're a fan, I mean, at the end of the game yesterday, you don't see this very often, both sets of fans were applauding the players on the pitch. And that wasn't because they've got a great result, it's because they were really entertained. So yes, I think it was a great game. Despite the fact there were lots of mistakes, we like to see mistakes. Mistakes make for entertainment. Jules, I, I'm going to direct this question to you too. The reason I ask about this is because I'm always interested in see performance levels of teams. Right? This is why we pay managers and they improve. And they can't control four individual errors. Um, it was exciting. It was fantastic. Yeah. But what struck me is we saw people who normally don't make those mistakes. Yeah. And I'm not talking about Nico Jackson. Ultimately, the man scored and got booked. So, you know, he's on he's on course. But um, Ruben Diaz, Vardiol, yeah. these aren't people who yeah. make Rodri. errors like that. Yeah, I know it was strange. I agree with Augie in the sense that it was spectacular. I disagree with him. There was no great goals. None of those, that we saw eight goals. None of them were great. We ha there was nothing. There was a tap-in for Ryan Sterling, two penalties, an own goal by Thiago Silva, really. It's not a Rodrigo, it's an own goal by Thiago Silva. Nico Jackson, there was just, there was the... Wait, Erling Haaland scored with his bum. Thiago Silva's header was a legit great goal, goal, I thought. No, I mean, come on. Oh, it was this a great is not goal. a great goal. This so is not a great goal. Nobody oh. marks him. He runs at the near post. It's and, still and difficult. It's, it's a, a difficult... It's a difficult. Okay, did you see Robert Lewandowski header? This is a great header. Thiago Silva's header yeah, is not a great it. header. That's it. Let's compare Thiago Silva with <laughs> but, Robert Lewandowski. You, you you you're point. saying to me Thiago Silva is a great goal. It's not a great goal. Was it's it the a, best goal in the game? Yes. Okay. But that's, it shows you, see, there were no great goals. It's great for the Premier League and for the legend of the entertainment that the Premier League is. However, when Pep Guardiola, even Pochettino to a certain extent, or Pochettino doesn't expect the same thing from his team than Guardiola does. No. When Pep is going to watch that game again, he's going to be horrified again. I think, yeah, I think they will be horrified. I think if you're if you're Pochettino, I think you are the happier of the two for the reason that you kept coming back. You showed character, you showed spirit, you showed unity. We knew that turning this, this, this Chelsea financial project into an actual team, you know, is a little bit like kind of doing a U-turn in an aircraft carrier in the Manchester mm -hmm. Ship Canal. It's going to take a lot of time. And I think you saw the response from the players. The players are into it. The crowd needed a lift. 
this is important to Pochettino because mm. you know what people say patience, but whatever he's in the bottom half of the table. That that shows that from the man management side. Nobody can fault Pochettino, I think, right? No, they've had a really big week. You know, winning at Tottenham really raised morale. And I think that the performance on Sunday against City again, and I think what, what, what it showed for me, the player, is it, Pochettino's the guy that gets the players playing for him. And you saw that yesterday. And I think there were a couple of occasions where it got a little bit lively. There's a bit of confrontation, a bit of pushing and shoving, a bit of, you know, a bad tackles going in. But the Chelsea players were together. And when they were pushing and shoving, that there were three or four or five coming together to defend their teammates. And little things like that show that there are a group of players that are actually playing for each other, they like each other. Just like Manchester United. Jules? Uh, uh, the intensity uh, was great from a Chelsea point of view, but we said it before, this is where most of the games, that this is what they do right now. They don't have the patterns of play yet. So they play with a lot of intensity and it works and it disturbs City's rhythm, who had no control of the game, which is the problem for City when they don't have any control then it's just too open for them and they concede, they score a lot, but they also concede a lot. I love the subtext, obviously, of Cole Palmer uh, having uh, having the the, the the ice in his veins to go and take that uh, to take that penalty in the 95th minute um, against the team that, as we discovered, he did not grow up supporting, right? You guys were telling me. That's why his name is Cole, named for Andy Cole, yeah, yes. Yeah. There Otherwise, are pictures on social media of him wearing a Man United kit and the story is that he's called Cole after Andy Cole and not... Dickoff after Paul Dickoff, but, you know, <laughs> Dickoff Palm wouldn't really scan with it, I don't think. All right. I would have gone with Lee after Franny Lee. I think that would have made more sense uh, for me if that was the case. I want to break this down a little more and test Jules's theory that there were no good goals in this game, even though Mark and <laughs> I like to test whatever you want. But before, I want to give a shout out. Obviously, Cole Palmer, tremendous story. I thought Raheem Sterling, not just this game, but I thought he was absolutely mm. tremendous. Um, the intensity with which you played, the intelligence with which you played. I don't want to pick on Nico Jackson again, um, but I will. I don't think it's that straightforward to play in a front line with Nico Jackson. With Connor Gallagher, who, you know, puts in a ton of effort, yeah, but he's kind yeah, of yeah. asked to do that double role, kind of coming forward, doing the press, and then going back. You have to be constantly aware of the movements. Mm. And Sterling, I think, is playing with an intelligence and a quality but that you know, I don't think was there last year, maybe because of the change in manager. He feels really comfortable. But do you think it's easier for him because there's no structure in the team? So when he was at City, he had to do, everything was so precise and it was so, it was so structured. In this, he has more freedom, like Cole Palmer, to be fair. More freedom, to, if he wants to take 20 touches and, and go one-on-one -on -one with yeah. Oggy, he can every single time and can even come back and nobody is going to say anything. I, I I think Gab's point about the intensity, that, that's the key for me, because yesterday the, the real intensity of Sterling, and it's been the same for a few weeks now, that that wasn't there last season. I mean, it's probably too strong to say he was sulking last season, but it looked like he got to Chelsea and thought, what have I done? You know, managerial changes, loads of players coming in. He didn't look happy. And he probably thought that I should have stayed at City and, you know, stuck around to win the treble. But I think he's taken on the responsibility. And then left on a free transfer. Yeah. Because let's face it, him leaving City was as much about money so, as it was with Gabriel yeah, Jesus than anything else. Yeah. But, yeah. but I think I think he's now embracing the fact that he's a senior player. He probably, I mean, him and Thiago Silva are the main guys now because they've been around. It's a very young team. And I think he's now, it's taken a while, but I think Pochettino's been good for him. I think he's got a coach who believes in him, who's, who's letting him be Raheem Sterling again. And I, and I think yesterday it was fantastic the way he, he continued to, to run at people and to motivate people to get stuck in. I just thought that was the best performance I've seen from Raheem for yeah, maybe three or four years. That ball he gave to Malogusto at the end, when he's still 3-3, and Malogusto just blasted with his Malogusto should have scored. 
Oh yeah. God, yeah, but that, that was, was such a great this. ball, such a clever yeah. ball from. But you talk about Jackson playing with Jackson would be tough because Jackson just runs in straight lines. He doesn't always. He doesn't bend his runs. So if you're Raheem Sterling, you're thinking, how can I get the ball to him? Because he just doesn't make it easy. So maybe he's decided that I'm not even going to try to get the ball to Nico Jackson. I'm just going to try and play my own way. By the way, Nico Jackson, hat trick on Monday, goal today, <laughs> four goals in two games. You know, against the season that started on City. Monday against Virgin City, be on pace to score 76 goals. What about his yellow carding activity? Another yellow card. Stop, yeah, stop. All right, we promised Jules we'd do this. I just want to go through the goals <laughs> because to see if there really were as many mistakes on the goals, if we're really just yeah. going to be difficult. Look, we know that mistakes happen in a game because otherwise it would be like, Legendary time Johnny Breda said the perfect game always finishes nil-nil because nobody makes a mistake. Exactly. Right? Yeah, but if you look at the ha Arsenal City game, for example, just before yeah. going to the goal, which was a lot of people, 99% of people would prefer the game from Sunday, the 4-4, than the 1-0 the, the for Arsenal. But that game, there was no mistake made pretty much the whole game for either Arsenal or City. And they were very, maybe, conservative and, and very cautious of all of that. But that was a complete, complete The mistake is the shape of Nathan Ake's head. Well, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, no. um, so I just want to, I just want to talk about this though. But, but before you, the Malagusta thing to me is evidence that Chelsea fully deserved the draw, even without that yeah. stupid, yeah, 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 that yeah. stupid mistake. No, no, the, the draw end. is a fair result. Because if you, if you look at it in terms of chances, in terms mm. of the way they put the performance, I'm, I'm happy to say this should have been a draw. So the first one uh, is a penalty converted by Erling Holland. Um, it's that thing with him and Cucurella where they're both kind of pulling and pushing and stuff like that. They both have hold of each other's shirts. Before the cross came. And once the cross, when the ball is on his way, it's of Cucurella preventing Haaland to get to the ball, maybe. It's very soft. I mean... If you give this one, you'd have to give it four yeah. or five times every single game. Haaland instigates the contact and Cucurella reacts. And I don't right. think it's a penalty. I just think that's just a bit, a bit of a coming together in the box okay. and Haaland makes the most of it. Because we had arguably... England's best referee in this game. Yeah. And I, I think, I know it's open season on referees and whatever. I think Anthony Taylor's actually been generally fairly consistent. And, and I think he's been good. He's had bad games too. I don't think this was one of his better games. Mm -hmm. I don't think this is a massive mistake. I can see why VR didn't intervene because you wouldn't call it a massive mm -hmm. mistake. Yeah. I also wonder about Kukurea again. And I say this about all shirt pulling. If I'm a striker, mm -hmm. I, I, like, I know VAR is there, right? So I know that they can see me pull, shirt pulling, right? But if I'm a striker, I'm incentivized to shirt pull mm -hmm. because what might happen is they might disallow my goal, right? But if I'm a defender, what's going to happen is they give a penalty. Mm -hmm. And if I'm shirt pulling and I'm not the guy finishing and I'm a striker, then I'm helping my team. So I think this is just something that people should generally consider when assessing these situations. Um, the second goal was a Thiago Silva header, which great I header. thought was a great piece of skill. But you're going to complain yeah, about the marking because somebody. So I mean, the marking is non-existent. So of course I'm going to complain with marking. Thiago Silva doesn't even have to jump. He doesn't even jump. The, he directs the ball across goal, and because the pitch was wet, like Mark said, it just accelerates as well. And there's nothing that Edison can do. Did nobody go with him because of where he ran to? I, that's the only thing I can think of. Well, he ran, yeah, he ran think, for the penalty spot, and it was a, it was obviously a choice. But he's running away Walker, from goal. Yeah, but Kyle Walker is 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 running across the goal to hit it at the far at the near post. Kyle Walker was the one I think. You talk, you talk about mistakes, but sometimes you know good movement forces mistakes. 
and that happened yesterday. It was a good run from Thiago Silva. It's a great yeah. finish. And you know, that, this mistakes. is what we're talking about. Unforced errors. I thought if this was a mistake, this was a forced error. So I think this is still it was a great the forced error. It just ran across the court. It should be marked. It Augie should be just, marked. Augie just told you. Just, just, since when we don't man mark players, especially the best header of the ball in the other team? No, nowhere. It would be the same for Akonji in the... We'll get to that because I thought that was really bad. But uh, all right, the next one is the Sterling goal. Guardiola's not going to want to see this again. Yeah. No. That was... I think he even gets nutmegged. Yeah, and he gets his legs all tangled and yeah. everything. It was yeah. just pretty ugly. Yeah. The uh, Akonji one, that's another free header. Yeah. I, this actually, again, maybe it's because I like Thiago Silva more, but I'm sorry. This is really bad. From the, the, this was a clear defensive breakdown from Chelsea. Yeah, because he doesn't even make a run. At least Thiago Silva, where well, you're right, is that he makes that run, so he makes you think you have to follow or at least communicate with somebody else. Akanji is just there between two Chelsea players. And I mean, I was it. having this chat with Gavin WhatsApp the other day about teams can no longer defend. And, you know, they, they've lost the art of defending. So I was referring it back to the Man United Copenhagen game where you just know that. Certain. I knew we had to go back to United. But, you know, not teams... Not yeah, yeah. I agree with you. And it's completely. like the, the art of defending has gone because there's so much value placed on scoring goals now. It's great. But, and that was an example yesterday, a couple of examples of teams not knowing how to just right. do the very basics. Yeah. And, you know, stop his time, just, just to defend and mark. This is a discussion for another time because otherwise I will digress and we'll get sidetracked mm. on this. But I... I strongly disagree with you. I think it's a type Ooh. of defending which is different. But hey, but we'll have. And when there's a slow week, international week's coming yeah, up. Yeah, very Maybe good we'll idea. We open this conversation. Very good idea. Um, the goal, the, the 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 next goal was the Holland goal where he slides in mm. with with Reece James. They made this whole to do on television on my feed. I was switching between the Italian commentary and the English commentary. And they went on and on about how, like, oh, God, oh, hopefully VAR won't disallow it. It hits his elbow, blah, blah, blah. That's not what VAR is there for. I don't think this was ever going to be no, disallowed. If it was reviewed, it was reviewed mm. because to see if there was a foul or whatever there wasn't. This is just good grunt work from Erling Holland. However, I mean, you on, found a mistake it. before that, didn't but you? But there's only one place where Julian Alvarez can cross that ball in. He did, we, you Watching it, you could, everybody knew exactly what was going to happen there. And then Disassi, more than Thiago Silva, but Disassi really at no point looks at where Haaland is behind him. And that, that's to, that, that goal took Haaland to 49 goals in 47 Premier League games, which means he's obviously he's one away from 50, which and, and the, the, the rate he scores at, Andy Cole's got the record, it's 65 games. It was 65 games to take 50 goals and Haaland's now doing it in yeah, 47. But there was a, what, I think it was Opta posted the start of where his goals are from. And all of his goals in the Premier League have come from within the within the tram lines of the six-yard box. It's just a very narrow area. So it's obvious. Yeah, yeah. Of all of them? He's never all shot of... from outside the box? No, yeah, he did. Two, two outside yeah, the box, but within that within that right. kind of narrow... So basically, just forcing wide doesn't score goals. Um, okay, now comes the error fest, as I see, or, or, yeah. or happenstance fest. The Nico Jackson goal. Mm -hmm. um, so it's the one where Gallagher shoots from outside the box. Like he hits it hard, but Edison's it's got a long way to travel. Yeah, keepers are taught to parry it to the mm -hmm. side. I don't know, maybe yeah. wet ball, whatever. No, I actually thought he could have saved it. It just has some treatment, hadn't it? For, but whether that made a difference, I doubt so does the treatment make some parry it centrally? I, I don't think Edison will be happy with this. No. But you took issue with uh, Ruben Diaz. <laughs> Ruben Diaz is literally tackling the air, like tackling a ghost, trying to. I mean, thinking that maybe he could block the Gallagher shot. He's far from Gallagher to start with, and I'm not oh. even sure he's in the line of the ball anyway. But the problem I have, Gab, is that by him diving. Or you know, like throwing himself onto the floor, 
in the hope that he maybe takes himself he could... out of the Nico exactly. Jackson and then down. when the ball comes up to Nico Jackson, Ruben Diaz has his bottom on the floor. Nico Jackson is on his own, can take a touch and then finishes. And I, I just don't understand how Ruben Diaz and that's nowhere near as bad as the next mistake that he makes, of course. But that one, like, I know you're a bit of a warrior, but sometimes just think a bit more because had he stood up and stayed with Nico Jackson, I'm not sure Nico Jackson would have scored the rebound like he did. Rodri's goal, great personality to take the shot from there, blah, blah, blah. But it is a double deflection. Mm -hmm. And in fact, this is one of those things that in England, it's traditional to award the goal. I think the whole world does this now. Oh, but if it's going on target, even if it's deflected, we should award it. Not treat it as an own goal. Yeah. I, whatever, it doesn't matter. Not Rodri's fault, but that clearly that is clear. Oh, don't go. It's diverted past. Yeah, and the worst is that I think Erling Haaland got the assist. <laughs> Not for sure, <laughs> for real. Yeah. But it was going in one corner, it ended up in the other, so heck yeah. no. Yeah. That, you know. My man, Armando, comes in oh. and wins the game for Chelsea by winning the penalty. Actually, he no, he doesn't, yeah. because all he does, the poor guy, he does just stand there and he gets, he gets assaulted by Ruben Diaz, yeah? yeah? I mean, again, crazy tackle. I, again, like Ruben Diaz is one of the best defenders in the world, right? We all agree. Yeah, in theory, yeah. Which is why but, we're but, talking but, about this. Yeah, but like, what can go through his mind at that time of the game when you're four, three up and you know there's what two or three minutes left maximum, mm. and it's a good ball by Sterling to Broja. It's a good first touch from Broja, but he slides literally, literally from from the King's Road all the way in. And you see him coming from so far away, and then he pretends, he said to the ref, I touch the ball, I touch the ball, go and check, I touch. Like, I just mm. find it so strange that a player of his quality makes right. such a stupid mistake. Okay, so here's the thing. Obviously, the rain played part of it. Yeah. Obviously, I think also the intensity of the game, because this was a really, really intense game as Fatigue well. Fatigue right? in the 95th minute. No, no, but I'm talking about throughout the game for all these mistakes. And look, we don't just want to be Grinches here and, and, and talk about the mistakes, but... I just find it interesting when there are players who are super dependable, super reliable, make these make mistakes like this. Do we just chalk it up to a bad day, a bad day at the office, combined with the rain and the intensity and stuff like well, that? Nobody's perfect, are they? I mean, people make mistakes, and you just express the conditions there that you know it was a slippery pitch, but then pitches watered anyway, aren't they? So how much slippery was it? It was just a bad mistake. So if you're Pep, you're not you're not worried about. It. You don't see any structural no. issues. No, um, but what's true is that when you face a team with so much intensity at Chelsea, and when you lose control even away from home, uh, Rod the Rodri mistake on the Malogusto goal, mm. you know, when you try to play the ball from here to you, Gab, right. so like short pass to Grealish and Sterling intercept and then give the ball to Malogusto. This is like a very, un again, un rodri esque mistake. And yet maybe because they had to do all that running, because they didn't control the game like they usually do, maybe they just lost a little bit of that lucidity towards the end. Same for the Ruben Diaz. Crazy. Is this a, so could this be a blueprint for teams facing City? What Chelsea not many did? Not many teams can play like Chelsea with that intensity and that. Because it's, it's the intensity so with the quality that yeah, Chelsea exactly. have and the fact that obviously, you know, given where Chelsea are and not having European football. Um, yeah, of course. They're, they're it allows you fit. to prepare. For me, it's Chelsea and Spurs, Spurs when everybody's fit, mm -hmm. are the fittest team in the league by far. Um, I Final word on Poch, specifically Enzo. Are we... Do, do we get a sense of something going on there? Or is this just all in my head that... I would have thought in a game like this, I would have expected Poch to expect Enzo Fernandez to take a bigger role. More of a... You know, because this is... Look, we, we've talked about how this is a young team and there's only the two veteran leaders. You know, plus maybe Reese James has been there a while. But but Enzo is a natural leader, right? We, we yeah. feel that. Yeah, yeah. I... I, we saw him getting a, we saw him like getting in Poch's face before. It could be a big brother, little brother thing. Everything's fine. 
He took him off against Spurs as well when they were. That's what. Spurs. That's what I'm driving at. That's twice, right? Yeah, when and when against Spurs, he had the quality to play those balls. And you're seeing that. Line. Well, that that I was real. I was shocked against Spurs because if there's anybody who can do this, it's him. Hundred percent. And then you see your number come up for for mm. Mikhailo Mudrik, who 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 didn't play badly. I just oh. want to give him, you know, did a lot of running, but what's going on? Do you, do we think there's something there or? Or are we just media stirring up trouble? Mm, look, ultimately, Enzo is still a young kid. He's come on a massive fee. He's got a lot. He's got a lot of living up to do. And he's just, I think he's just bedding into the game. I've, I've seen good flashes from this season. And Pochettino probably obviously wants a little bit more from him. But I, I don't know. I think there's maybe a kind of a specific dynamic there because they both got excited to background. I, I don't think there's a problem there. Yeah, and, and I think I don't think I agree with that. I don't think it's a problem either. But I think it's it shows. You know, it could be the old coaching stereotype that Pochettino's maybe harder on Ainso because he wants more from him. And also because maybe he feels like he knows Ainso more. He can he can demand more of him. He knows where the line is to push him. Yeah. Um for me, when I look at this Chelsea as a collective, Ainso's one of those guys who has to perform if they're going to go to the next level. Um it's not negotiable. I mean you can go and get it's got nothing to do with Gallagher's freedom and position. Because the fact that Gallagher can basically, which is fine because he's got all that energy we said, he's not my cup of tea, but I can understand what Poch likes in him. The problem is there's no, that structure in midfield is Caicedo and Enzo are there and then Gallagher is a bit everywhere. Right. And maybe, could that maybe be preventing Enzo from really giving his I don't, best? So, I don't. Because so there would be a lot, just to finish before you go, because there's a lot of spaces where Enzo would go, but Gallagher is already there yeah. because Gallagher has that kind of freedom that so, he doesn't have. I think it's a really good point. I think it's I mean, more of a tactical in the weeds point. But earlier this season, Enzo was playing Higher. as an attacking yeah. midfielder effectively. I think what... And I don't think and I don't think that's his position. I don't think that's good for him. I don't think it's good getting the ball on, on the ha- on the half turn. He's not going to dribble around anybody, and you lose his passing from deep, right? Which is one of the things that that really makes him special. Mm. So by moving him back, I was hoping you can still get you know his Lampard-esque runs and and whatnot, whatnot. To do that, Gallagher has to know when to get out of the way and clear the space for him. And I think that's what Pochettino's working towards. And I think that's. The role that maybe Nkunku will fill. This is or, it. Nkunku makes the difference. When, when he comes into the team, that makes the difference. That the jigsaw begins to come together. Then I think. Yes. Uh, well, we have to see how long it takes Nkunku to get yeah. match fit. But I, I have to say, like somebody goes to Stamford Bridge often, um, the lift here is big, and it, this is really, really important. This yeah. is like a W for Pochettino. Yep. I'm not saying fans are turning on Pochettino, but fans are not happy with many of the players. Not happy with the direction the team is going. They're not blaming Pochettino yet. But it's, it's a game November, like this shows it's, that... It's his first season, it's November. I and mean, they've played they've played Liverpool, okay. Arsenal, City and Twelve Spurs. Games. And they haven't lost. Twelve. Right. Yeah. Lost. They also played Luton and no, Forest and I know, but they beat Luton. No, but they clearly struggle more against teams that will leave them the ball because as we said, they don't have yeah. yet that structure and those patterns of play. They've played 12 league games. And I know what you're saying about the fans are, you know, Easy for us, isn't it? It's twelve league games. You can't, you can't build a team in twelve games, especially when your your big summer signing is not played. And they've signed so many players that have got a bed in. I mean, they've signed how many players in the last two or three windows? I mean, it's insane. So twelve games in, I think that was a massive sign of progress against City and against Tottenham. That all of a sudden they're looking a lot better than you know many people thought they would do by this stage of the season, considering the upheaval they've had. 
Do you think many people expected them to be I lower know, than I mean, 10? No, they've, the yeah, yeah, on, they've got 16 uh, points in uh, yeah. 12 games. I hope you become a billionaire so I can work for you one day, oh, Mark, because you're going to be the <laughs> nicest boss well, let, let's in see the, the world. Let's see the next 12 games. Unless it's United, of course. Judge, judge on the next 12 games. I think there's signs of progress there, and I think the signs of progress, right. you know, in terms of results and the collective and the spirit. Okay. Like, halfway you know through the season. Let's see it halfway through yeah. the season. Yeah. You know it's funny. All right, I will let you go in a minute. You're not here for this quick hit, so don't say anything. But... What you said there reminds you of what Eric Ten Hag said. Oh, behave. About, yeah. With all the he setbacks he had, we're still near the top four, right? So there's many reasons to be optimistic. And I think this is exactly like the spin that you're putting on it. No, so on. if you're going to say this about Pochettino, you got to say it about Ten Hag as well. I've not seen a Man United performance that's similar to that one yesterday. Fight goals? I mean, okay, right. they haven't, goals? at least Chelsea are scoring goals. You just finished telling us that they were all down to mistakes, but whatever. Well, goals. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much. All right, enough, Chelsea. How about some quick hits instead? Let's go, guys. Robert Lewandowski bags two goals. His Whoa. first in September 22nd as Barcelona come from behind to beat Alaves at home. Jules, this was not a good game. They could have been, what, three goals down yeah, in the first half? Not good at all, especially that first half. I mean, considering after 23 seconds, I think it was. Didn't Samu. Samu with a... Um, I mean, it's... Did you see a, Samu steamroller? Jules yeah, Kulik? I mean, you don't stop that. It's not even that the goal was that good. It's just it was far too easy for Alaves to go and get into that position and to score. And after that, it was even more easy to go. And like you said, it could have scored more. Second half was better. Uh, but if you Chavi, I think there's clearly something not right. I mean, in terms of result, it's okay. And they're still very much up there with Atletico and Girona, of course, and Real Madrid. In the Champions League, just about two. But I don't know, in the flow of that team, the players, I know they had injuries and they still do, but it's clearly something not clicking yet. There's a lot of quality. I think he's changed things around. I think Joao Felix's run when he was really good, papered over a lot yeah, of cracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what? It's not continuing. Kind of like the story of his career. Um, yeah. So he's got decisions to make there. He's struggling. I thought Lamine Yamal had a really difficult game. And For a few weeks as well now. It's not the first time. Well, Since that Spain link- cap they lingered on the fact that he went to go and kind of like, you know, he took a shot, whatever, and he tried to high-five Robert Lewandowski, who just ignored him. Yeah. And I, this I can't become a well. thing. Um, I, I hope the kid's okay. Yeah, but that's yeah, all I'm saying. Tottenham lose again, Gabby. They score straight away against Wolves, but then concede twice in injury time. Is the big Ange loving over? No, not for me. Uh, no, look, I think I think we need to put this in a little bit of context, right? If you play the way they play. And ordinarily, I would say, look, you score straight away, it should get easy for you, and you go and you manage the game. However, Wolves have played really well of late. They scored the Sarabia goal in injury time was, was really, really good. Exceptional, yeah. But I think most of all, if you play the way Postacoglu plays, you need to have chemistry. People need to know each other, move around, especially defensively. Three of that back four were either making their first start or their second start uh, this season because of the uh, of the absence of Busi Romero and uh, Destiny were were out and uh, Mickey Van de Ven was injured. Yeah. So you had Dyer, Ben Davies, and um, Emerson and Emerson coming in, and they really missed James Madison. I mean, I'm sorry, it's not the same thing, right? Yeah, but don't replace him by Hoiberg. Don't give me that midfield three. Ah, because you would want Lo Celso. Of course. Even if Lo Celso is already a 45 minutes. Lo Celso, a better fit, I agree with you. I agree with you than than Madison. But but then credit to Wolves for plugging at it, plugging plugging at it. And they're in a good place right now. 
Inter beat Frosinone 2-0 to stay top of Serie A. But Jules, you know what I'm going to ask about. Uh, that goal by Fede Di Marco. And yes, incredible. he meant it. He meant it. This time, it's not a Mudrik fluke or uh, the Griezmann one that we had in a kind of a similar way. Alessandro Florenzi against Barcelona for the old-timers. Yeah, for the old-timers. This is exceptional, really. 60 yards out, right on the touch, like literally on the touchline on the left-hand side, just after the... Um, the halfway line 56.2 meters is a 56 incredible lob right in the top corner or the other side and like you said yeah, he meant it he looks up very quickly there's nobody else around anyway so that's the only thing he can do it's, an, if, uh, it's the goal of the season in Serie A maybe the, the, the like Pushkas award if you want already I, I, I can't see how something we've had big lobs and we saw the Hurricane one against Darmstadt we saw Camara with Mets against Monaco but it's central to central, and the goalkeeper is far more advanced yeah. than in this case, the Marco exception. There's, there's a lot more technique, and if you see the, the there's a camera angle from behind, you can see him. He's running, he looks up and looks across. He sees there's nobody there, and I think in that time he says makes a decision. All right, I either try to whip this across or to ram to somehow right get the ball at the edge of the box, or but that's really really difficult and. So no, he won't be expecting this. And then he lowers his head to hit yeah. it. Um, I, I, I thought it was just, it, it, it was tremendous. Don Hutchinson, very excited. Yeah, very, very much so. Sticking with that game, Gab, tell me about the Frosinone goalkeeper, Stefano Turatti, who considered that, that goal. Is he really one of those footballers who is also a fan? I love this story. Last May 24th, the Coppa Italia final. <laughs> he is an Inter fan. He was in the stand. There's pictures of him like shirtless. Now he's playing against Inter. Um, oh, I, I love it. Not enough footballers who pay their own way to sit in the stands with the common folk. Um, obviously, people who don't understand football went and they immediately said, oh, look, you know, he's an Inter fan. How he should have done better. I'm not going to blame the goalkeeper on this one. I thought he made some good saves before. Yeah. Um, you know what? And if you want to get all conspiratorial, and I love conspiracies, I'm not going to go and help the team I support and throw this game by going, telling everybody in the week before uh, the game that, hey, yeah, look, that was me. I am a big Inter fan in the stands. Yeah. It was me running around with my shirt off. I'm not going to do it by telling Di Marco, hey, Di Marco, you, when you're out by the touchline just inside Love your own me. half, you shoot from 56 meters, right? Because this is the best way to cloak it, right? And I'm really happy for this kid. Yeah. And, I, I, and I wish more, football, more footballers kind of came out and were honest and were actual fans of the game as well. Jules, I enjoyed the last big hit so much. We need to have some more. Victor Lindelof scores the only goal as Manchester United beat Luton 1-0. Eric Ten Hag says that, quote, despite all the setbacks, they are near the top four, so there is reason to be optimistic. Aww. Are you also a glass half full kind of guy, Jules? I'm always a glass half full anyway. As you know, Gabby, I want him to be right. I want United to do better, to improve. And this game, I mean, Luton are really, away from home especially, it's not good. And it's another unlikely, unlikely goal scorer because Lindelof is the 13th goal scorer the United have in the league. Do you know the last United forward to score at Old Trafford in the league? Do you know who it was? Wow. I'll give you a hint. It's a guy who's on the naughty step now. Jaden Sancho, last season. Last season, I was going to say. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. So, that, so there's, there's a lot of room for improvement. Is it good enough? I don't think so. Still not. 
But at least they've yeah. got 10 I, days now and they can think about something else and then come back for what is going to be some huge games, including in the Champions League. Also, near the top four. Okay, so yes, you're There's in six. six, so you're only two points, two, two spots away. You're also five points away. Yeah. Five points after 12 after games, 12 games yeah. is a lot. Yeah. No Jude Bellingham, no problem at all as Vinicius and Rodrigo scored two apiece and Real Madrid beat Valencia 5-1. Gabi Dancelotti really say that it was unfair to other coaches that he has so many good players. I love that. How could you not love a manager who comes out and says Patronizing this? though, no? What? Patronizing a little bit? I don't think so. I thought it was heartfelt and genuine. Uh, Rodrigo also had the two assists. Vinicius scoring yeah, with his chest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was excited. Valencia had a few chances though. In the first half, they could have scored. Well, Lunin was in goal for for Kepa. He made, hit some two one on ones on Hugo Duro. Uh, Valencia weren't bad. This this no. This is not as as big as as the scoreline suggests. But it was nice to see Vinicius yeah. and Rodrigo link up. You know, without Bellingham behind Back to them. Best. And I want to see Definitely. more Brian Diaz. Definitely. It's a hat-trick for Kylian Mbappe as Paris Saint-Germain beat Stade Rams and stand in uh, lesser still Nicholas. Get it? Get it? Because we're still out. So still Nicholas. Nicholas still. All right, whatever. Yeah. So okay. why is Luis Enrique grumpy, Jules? That's a good question, Gabby. So hat-trick from Mbappe, although it's a game that... Well, Reims right. were probably the better team, to be fair. One great goal and two counterattacks. Don't get yeah, your, don't make your head get too big-headed there, Kylian. But no, but it's still a hat-trick. So you take the ball home. And Luis Enrique said at the end, I'm not happy with him. The goals, I can't say, there's nothing I can say, of course. But for the rest, I want him to do more. I will talk to him. I will do this. I will do that. Which we go back to a debate that we've had many, many, many times about what Killian does when he doesn't have the ball. But even when, he's at the, when he has the ball and sometimes he forces it a little bit, he goes two on his own. He doesn't defend enough. He doesn't track back enough. All of that stuff that I think Luis Enrique will have a chat with him. Will that change something? I'm not sure they like each other. Kylian likes him, respects him. It's a good start. But he said it three times. So he must really, he said it, flash interview straight after the game, right? Twice, two different broadcasters. And then again in the press conference with the media where you sit down and everything. Well, do you don't, really worry, don't worry, Lucho, because, you know, next year when Mbappe leaves on a free, you can go and sign Morata, your little uh, body, who he does work hard. He does everything for you. Yeah, always what? Except for scoring. Thomas Tuchel mixes it up against Eidenheim as Bayern win 4-2. Gav Hurricane has broken the 20-goal mark and we're not even halfway through November in all competition days. So I will get to Kane in a minute, but what struck me about this game is almost if Thomas Tuchel said, oh, Heidenheim, they're terrible. So we got to see your buddy Bunasar, oh who hadn't God. started yeah. a game in, in the Bundesliga yeah. in 31 months. We saw the very exciting Alexander Pavlovich. Yeah, they're more excited by him than Bunasar. What we didn't see is the Lecht and Musiala and Kimmich and Goretzka, you know, the actual Bayern guys, Coleman on the bench, uh, Alfonso Davies on the bench as well. So I, it's hard for me to judge anything on this. They go 2-0 up, everything's easy. Um, and then they're like, oh, this is, let's make this exciting. Let's concede two stupid goals off, yeah. in the space of three minutes. And then the cavalry comes on and scores. Um, Rafael Guerrero, by the way, I think he can yeah. be a useful add to this team. Cool. As a Kane... 10 straight years of 20-plus goals. Um, his best season is 41 goals. Um, I think he's going to beat it this year. Yeah, he's going to smash it. Arsenal, too, easy, too easy for him. Arsenal beat Burnley 3-1 and they're one point off the top. Jules, between this and Sevilla, Arteta's bounced back nicely after his Newcastle flip-out. Yeah, nicely. I mean, there was not much... There's not much to say really about the performance. They were much better than Bernie. They could have scored more goals. Uh, even if Raya made a good save, I, I still had nil-nil. It was always they were always going to break the dread, the deadlock. I like to see, so Leandro Tossard has scored 
Uh, hang on, I need to find the the stat exactly. <laughs> All right. So there's five, the five goals Trossa has scored, all assisted by Bukayo Saka. That und that understanding is great. It's great. You're all about bonding and and relationship between players. It's I'm great, just happy that Arteta kept the spirit up and everything after slip. Yeah, of course, it. it was all good. Too. Not so much for Rudy Garcia, who's been sacked as Napoli manager. Gav, was it really? That injury time winner scored by Empoli, Kovalenko for Empoli, that did they or there was just more? So that's the narrative. Napoli fans angry, really angry after the game. This is not a knee jerk. Remember, they're going to sack him before the last. Yeah. Um, you know, failing to beat Union Berlin, being the only team not to beat Union Berlin in yeah. the last three months. I think that might do it. They've won two of eight uh, at home. Yeah, they're only fourth in the table. They're doing much worse than they were last season. Four months in last season. Sure, no, Seaman. Now they're either going to go for Igor Tudor, uh, if I mean, it's a permanent appointment, or Cannavaro. How can you for go for Tudor? How can you think Tudor? But Conte was the same. That they feed those players and that squad who won and who played in a certain style for the last four years. Why would you bring someone who plays a back three and a, and a style of football that's got he's, nothing to do with Spalletti? He's going to have to adapt if they go with Tudor. But Tudor said, like, oh, I want an 18-month deal. I'm not just coming in till the end of the season. So we'll see. Mohamed Salah scores twice and Liverpool rolled to a 3-0 win over Brentford. Jules, you impressed? I impressed. Do you like the goal where you're talking about goals earlier, headers where you don't need to jump? Yeah. He's just standing there. Yeah, I mean, that one is the easiest one. What I like about the first one, especially, uh, Gabby, is that really he... Sal hadn't done much in that first 20, uh, 30 minutes of that game. And then when the board gets to Darwin and, okay, Brentford are maybe at fault a little bit. But just Salah is there aware. And I just find it amazing that he doesn't even need to get warmed up. The ball arrives and this is it. It's at the, it's at the back of the net. He's got this 15-game home game in a row where he's scored or assisted. Only Shearer and, and Thierry have done better than that. Um, I'm starting to, be, to get on board with this Darwin Nunez thing. I think he's still horrendous to watch sometimes, but he works so hard yeah. and he's getting so smart and his chemistry with Salah is growing. I agree. Wow. I Fun agree. to watch. Sticking with Liverpool, Gabby Jorgen Klopp is upset that the big clash against Manchester City will be a lunchtime kickoff after the international break. So the Saturday 12.30 kickoff here in England. He says that those who do the scheduling don't feel football. Is he right? I think Liverpool are the team that have been the most, that have been kicked off the most at that time on the Saturday straight after international breaks in the last few years or so. I, that's great. Uh, the reality is the people who do the scheduling um, are the broadcasters and... They pick their games, yeah. For they pick weekend. their games and they negotiate with the Premier League and they have a certain method for to, to, to do it. If you want to put a rider in there and say, oh, live, each team can only do this many times, you can do that when you negotiate the contract. So what you do is you go to your boss, right? Yeah. The guy who runs your club, Billy Hogan, Tom Warren, well, whatever, right? And you say, hey guys, when we go negotiate with the broadcasters and they give us all this money, let's make sure this doesn't happen, right? That's yep. what you need to do. Otherwise, you know what it is. It's not about feeling football and emotion. These guys are running a business. Let's talk league leaders, Jules. Wow. Bayer Leverkusen beat up poor old Union Berlin 4-0 uh, to stay top of the Bundesliga in all competitions this season. Xavi Alonso's crew have taken 49 of a possible 51 points, uh, while Union Berlin, in their last 14 games, has taken one point of a possible 42. Yeah. Uh, that one point against Napoli, which may explain why Rudy Garcia is no longer with us. Yeah. Incredible, really, Gabby, incredible. I think uh, they played great. I mean, Union were all over the place. They could have scored more goals. Even Florian Wirtz was great. They scored two on set pieces as well. 
Uh, and Grimaldo, who's just been called up for Spain for the first time ever, just it's like they don't they don't notice him. It's like it's like in Spain. Like, oh look, all those years of, uh, in, in Portugal, like oh, even you, Benfica, you were saying like, no, if he was better, he would have left a long time ago. Eh? You know what? He's doing so well, and I think Xabi Alonso is a big reason why right. this is happening. Best attacking left back in the world, Alex Grimaldo fated Di Marco. There could be nobody oh else. God. You can't take deal. Two wing backs. I would go for Di Marco anyway. But, you know, I can see what Grimaldo is bringing to this team. It's pretty special. Milan, a two-goal lead. Slip Alecce to draw 2-2 and Gab. They nearly considered an injury time winner as well. Giroud gets sent off. Rafael Leo comes off injured. But they're still celebrating that win over PSG. What happens? I don't know. Everything was going fine. Letcher, not a bad side, but no. they were firmly in control. Um, Lau came off after just 10 minutes, and then they just collapsed towards the end, and they were really, really fortunate, as you said there, yeah. because Piccoli scores should have been the winner for Letcher. The VAR saw some attacking foul on Malik Chaw, who's a big, strong boy. Um, I'm not sure about Malik. that. The, the, the sort of the stock explanation is that They've had so many injuries and muscular injuries this season that they haven't been able to rotate, and so they get tired late in games, and that's why they collapse. Yeah. And remember, right. there's a two-goal lead against Napoli, and what else? What about not playing Yunus Musa right back? When you have on the bench, on the bench, a Florenzi whose job for all his life, he might not be very good at it, but he's still a right back. Why would you move Musa there, who was terrible in that second half, and obviously he's involved on the two goals? I, Poor marking in the first one, loses the ball on the second one. I think he says he wants to do things differently. We've seen this before. Yeah, but but what, what about playing Giroud with, with like the, the human refrigerator, uh, Jovic, right, against Udinese? He likes thinking outside the box. Well, I'm yeah, not going to criticize people trying well, to get creative. He makes mistakes, though. Girona do it again, Jules. And they're still top of La Liga with another comeback win, this time 2-1 away to Rayo. Yeah, to Rayo. And to, they were saved twice by the post as well, by the woodwork. And what we said last time, Take it for as long as it lasts. There will be a point where it doesn't last anymore. You don't come back again from behind. The post goes in against you and not for you. Uh, and you will play a tougher team than, than Rayo, although Rayo are not bad at all. But Savinho, Savio, again, Dovbeg, it's not, they are just an incredible story so far. All right. Against the top seven this season, they've played two games. Yeah. They, they lost it. one yeah. and they drew one. That's I all know. I'm going to say. Juventus beat Cagliari 2-1 to stay second in Serie A and even first for a few hours. Gab, the Allegri formula is working after all, although they conceded for the first time in like 700 minutes or something. No, it's not working. No, this is, this, this is rubbish. This isn't good. It's set pieces, man. That's all. First of all, all they can do is score on, on sex pieces. And by the way, if, you, if you're right, Bremer is fantastic, blah, 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 much power to him. I, the other one, the Rugani one, where, you know, they made like, they got like a million XG off that because he like touches the ball like 50 times. He's just hit the line, is yeah, Exactly. Um, but then what would, could, the Allegri formula means we take the lead and we shut up shop. Yeah. He didn't shut up shop. Dostina scores to make a 2-1 and then at the end, the ball goes in off the post. I mean, I... Pretty ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, you got a lot of explanations. Oh, Pogba, no Fajoli, no Rabio, no no Danilo is yeah. important for them. He's just fine. But then it's your choice to keep Lavic on the bench, and it's your point, point, choice to play so badly, you know, against a team that has only started winning of late in Cagliari. Yeah. So, no, I don't think it's this is going to work. I think they'll still finish top four through inertia, probably. But this is bad football. And the worst thing they can yeah. do is to think, oh, this is the way forward. 
A goal and an, and an assist from your boy, oh, Antoine Griezmann, so as Atletico come from behind to be managerless Villarreal 3-1. Uh, they just, of course, dispatched uh, poor Pacheta. Jules, it was the subs that got this over the line for El Cholo. Yeah, the subs made a big difference. You're right, Gabby, uh, from Samuel Lino. Marcos Llorente. Marcos Llorente, Correa, who gives the assist. Barrios. Yeah, Barrios as well with an assist too. It was not good for the first, what, 25 minutes, half an hour, when Villarreal scored the first goal, Gerard Moreno with a good finish. And then after that, they just kept going and going. 15 home games with a win in a row in the league now, which is the new La Liga record. Nobody has ever done that before. And he's getting closer, my boy Greasy, to Luis Aragones' records. By the way, yes, I think he's got three four. to go. Yeah, three or to four, 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 four to beat the record. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if you get a chance to watch the highlights on YouTube, watch Villarreal's opening goal. The next time somebody says, oh, what's the point of building up from the back? That is the point. Yeah, it is. Don't absolute, always do it like this. It's a masterclass. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. On how you do it, they broke the Atleti press. It's very nice. When it works properly, yeah, exactly. this is how it's supposed to work. Exactly. Gab, I think Bad Dortmund is back after beating Newcastle in the Champions League in midweek. They let the lead slip against Stuttgart and now fifth in the table. And how about Seru Girassi coming back a bit earlier? Coming and back earlier to convert the late penalty as a I sub, not fully him. fit. Yeah. Um, this wasn't just bad. This was horrendous Dortmund. I mean, this was like, you know, like the moment we saw against Bayern. There's a Newcastle game. You start to wonder, was that just an aberration against a team full of injuries? Yeah. Um, they're in a bad place. Nicholas Fulkrug, uh, he puts them ahead. I think it's. The, I think it may be the only ball he touched. It only felt yeah. like it was the only time he touched Terrible. the ball in the game. And then they get overrun, and Stuttgart missed a penalty. Stuttgart just wouldn't let them get out of their own half. They're a good team, Stuttgart, though. They're a really good team. That's fine. But this is Borussia Dortmund. Yeah, 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 no, no. They're they down to fifth. Better. They might not even be in the top four next season. But even Terzic at the end was like, I can't really even explain it. I, I don't really know why we have those kind of games. It's just, but even if your own manager can't really explain why you're so inconsistent at times and so, so poor. I admire the honesty. I would like to hear from, as well, at this stage, um, the people upstairs. You know, for years, said, oh, they're Dortmund, the best joint club in the world, director of football. You always said Somebody that. said, no, because it really bugs me. It bugs me. I don't understand why they got full crew. I don't understand... I don't understand why they got Adeyemi to turn him into whatever he's become. Adeyemi out wide, I don't think is a solution because he's not a good crosser of the ball. Yeah, he's just fast. Yeah, figure figure no, it no, out. No, no, no. You know, God didn't come down from Mount from from Mount Nablus or wherever he was <laughs> and said like, "Listen, four three three, you must play four three three. Well, want to try something? What about full Krug and Adeyemi together? And then maybe other ones. Maybe? maybe there are solutions. Yeah, Find yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Help I Tertich. I know. I know. Speaking of Newcastle, they lose 2-0 to Bournemouth. All down to the injuries, Jules? Not all of it, Gabby. I mean, most of it, and they lost Almiron again. But I think it was still a competitive side. I know it's not ideal when you don't have Botman and when you don't have... They played a guy in midfield they'd never heard of. Louis Smiley, but he's highly rated. He's, he's sure. because, because a youngster that you've seen teams play youngsters before. You never heard of Rico Lewis when he started playing for... Yes, but he wouldn't have... First of all, first of all. Keep Manchester City's name out of your mouth. No, no, when no. You, when you describe, no, no, but when Lewis Smiley is Pep a very, very talented kid. No, no, one I'm of sure the he most, is. one of the most talented kids in his I'm age sure group he is. in the whole but, of the country. But if Tonali hadn't been suspended, yeah. if everybody had been fit, would he have started this game? No, it's still 
But you know, of course, an adjustment, but, right? When you are yeah. forced to start somebody, just a talented youngster, rather than to bring him on at your own pace, at the pace that no, is no, right for course. you. It yeah, but there's not, there was not yeah. 11 Louis Smiley on the pitch either. The rest of the team it was you last year. There was no Sven Bauman either. There was no, no Isak either. I know, but loads of teams have some injuries. I know they have more than others. I still think that the team that started, and although should Louis Hall, I don't understand. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying they, they should have won the game. I'm just saying that in terms of what they offered, it should have been better. They had no intensity. They had no rhythm at all into the game. And maybe they were also tired. But it was just... I thought surprising to me to see them having such an off day. I think he played the same lineup for so long and got results and built chemistry, which is right. It's yeah, the right yeah. thing to do. No, it's a fair now point. Now they That's don't have that point. much time on the training yeah, yeah, because yeah. they're in the Champions League as well and whatever. The new guys come in, you lose some of that cohesion. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. And after the game, Gabby, Kieran Trippier had a long and animated conversation with some of the Newcastle fans. What did you make of it? I think, given your, your recent answer, should have just been talk- Kieran Trippier should have been talking to you. Uh, yeah, come, Frank. Kieran, come on the show. But no, um, but I know there's a lot of injuries, but there's teams with injuries that, did, that still do better than that. That was yeah, really I, bad. Okay, first of all, I like it when players go and and engage with the supporters and own it. I, I've always loved the way, like, you know, teams in Italy do this, Bayern Munich do this. It's like you lose, you go under the ultras, not just to apologize, you've put in your effort, whatever. You take the applause and you take the criticism. I got no issue with what Kieran Trippier did. I do take issue with those in the media who, because we can't hear, we don't know who he's talking to, we don't know what they're saying. We're not sure what he's saying, other than he's very animated. But he said like, have you seen all the injuries? Have you seen all the injuries? Yeah, so he's mentioned something about injuries, but like, surely he's more than that. I like the fact he's sticking up for his teammates. I got no problem with this whatsoever, but I wouldn't read too much into it, other than the fact that he is, He's, 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 he's being accountable to fans, which is yeah. I wish more players would do. Yeah. Let's talk El Gran Derby. Ah, so Isco nice. shines for Betis, but Sevilla snatch a draw. What a goal. Incredible Rakitic's goal to make it 1-1, almost back-to-back. There was good start of the game and then not much happened, let's be honest. Uh, apart from moment of Isco brilliance, right foot, left foot, the dribbling, the vision, but- that ball with his left foot. <laughs> Uh, for the left back, I can't remember his name. How does he curve it like that? It's incredible. How does he do that? Incredible, really. And okay, maybe we will talk about another derby straight after that was really poor. At least this time, there was something in it. And then we saw the late, the two late goals. And in the end, I guess maybe the draw is a fair result. It doesn't help either team. Especially maybe Betis deserved a little bit maybe more. Maybe a little bit man, more. Man, man, but it's he's good ne- to see he's never won a Grand Derby. I didn't realize that. Really? No. no. And as I mentioned, the other derby from one to another, Roma against Lazio threw up a bit of a nil-nil stinker. I mean, not even a bit, Gabby, a lot of it. Despite a bright start from Roma and Luis Alberto hitting the woodwork, that was lovely. But Gab Mourinho and Sarri are friends again. Well, Mourinho and Pedri. Mourinho and Pedro, sorry, not Pedri. Mourinho and Pedro might not be so much. He didn't like the diving, did he? Uh, yeah, he didn't like what he said. Tells Pedro's constant diving. He said, "What do you say? Like he should be in a swimming pool." <laughs> so he should be a well, that's original. <laughs> like, yeah, nineteen eighty called. They want the joke back. But um, uh, yeah, look, I I think this is the, the, the Rome Derby is rule number one is you don't lose it because if you lose it, everything, all the good stuff you've done goes out the window and people flip out on it. I know, but if you try to win it, you might win it. 
Right, but the benefit of winning it are is less than the damage done if you lose it. This is the mindset. Sadly, shouldn't be I like think this. It's a shame. I was interested how, like, you know, after really going after each other, Mourinho and Sadi after the games is like, oh yeah, we have our differences, but deep down he's a friend. Oh yeah, he's a friend. All right, okay, guys, you're kind of like lifting the lifting the curtain behind you know professional <laughs> wrestling when they all shout at each other and then you go in the back and like they're you know they're 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 eating chicken wings out of a box together and yucking it up. It's a little bit like this. Um, I think, I think Mourinho is the one. I think he's under more pressure. He's the one I expect more from uh, yeah, yeah. Mourinho because yeah, he's Mourinho. Yeah, yeah. Because Dybala and Lukaku are fit. Yeah. Lons and your man Joseph yeah. get a late winner to beat Marseille and Reno Gattuso one 0 This is late, so can we give Reno a little bit of credit for keeping Marseille in the game until no? no. You're making a face, no? No. no, no. It was not a good game to start with, Gabby. Uh, I was a bit disappointed. It was intense, but there was just not end product, not enough quality in the two boxes. So, for example, I think no shot on target until certainly the whole first half. This I wasn't really Reno's game first. plan. I don't know. I think they tried, but. It was just not that day, and then in the end they get done on a set piece, and Jonathan Grady with a goal. He's one of the smallest players on the pitch, and yet he still managed to score that. Uh, really good for Lance. For Marseille and Reno, though, it shows all the work still need to be done. It shows that those leaders in that team, from Aubameyang to Ari to Kondogbia, those kind of guys, are just not responding yet, or certainly not at the level that they should be. It would be tough for them. It would be really tough for them. La Real Sociedad leaving very late away to Almeria. But Carlos Fernandez penalty and Martin Zubimendi insurance goal give them a 3-1 win. Gab, this was tougher than expected, though. In some ways, yes. In other ways, look, they've got Champions League football. This is not the biggest squad in the world. Uh, when Oyarzabal scored that goal, I thought, all right, you know. They're going to them, yeah. It didn't happen, but... As Almeria said afterwards, they have a lot of options. Carlos Hernandez may not be everyone's liking, but he gives you that different yeah. option, you know, off the bench. Sacrifice one of the left footers for, boom, the the, the, the proper striker. Yeah, so, the tank. Um, you know, I, I think they're in a good place. They should be higher up the table. But it is a big ask for teams like this to be competing and doing so well on two fronts. Yeah. Leipzig beat Freiburg 3-1. Jules, I suspect all you're going to oh. want to talk about is Xavi Simons. He again, was yeah? so good again. It's another goal. It's another assist for him. He looks so sharp. And Freiburg, are, they're a good team, really, even if they also played in, in on Thursday night. So maybe they were a bit tight. They looked a bit jaded, to be fair, at some point. But it's all about Xavi Simons. It really is. And I know it's great for Leipzig to have him. It's just that you know already that he might not stay. If he stays, he stays on loan again. But that's it. So I wonder if you already prepare almost for, okay, who can we get next after him? Because we know he might not stay at all. So, What if he doesn't want to go back? Leipzig can't. I don't think they can afford him, though. What if he PSG, just says PSG, no? PSG, well, no, PSG would sell him, but they would sell him at their price, not uh, what should be Le Leipzig price. I don't think what Leipzig if he turns down any move and says, I only want Leipzig? <laughs> yeah. Well, but no. I'm only being... Yeah, but no. Yeah, but no. Right. Brighton are held to a 1-1 draw at home by Sheffield United as Mahmoud Dahoud gets sent off. Gab, our boy Roberto Zerbi was not happy with the referees at all. Yeah, but I think we should it be very brilliant. clear on this because the quote made headlines, brilliant. but he said this decision on Dahoud was correct. Yeah. 100%. Oh, he said, in his time, that would not have been a red card. He said, but, now, 
when these, yeah. and when these guys talk about it, you no, make it feel as if people went around with baseball so he bats said he clubbing said, each other. It is a red card, but it's not really a red card. But they asked him, he says, I don't like 80% of the referees. Which, you know in what? England. English referees. In England, yeah. Um, well, they're not all English, he says, because, of course, Jerry Gillette's not. Yeah, only one. Um, but I like, I don't mind the honesty. I don't mind I the honesty. I love his face when he said it. I don't like the attitudes. I don't like... <laughs> was I wonder if he regrets saying it. It's been a rough season. Um, <laughs> one winning seven or eight in the yeah. league. Well, and you can say that in the league, but then, you know, Thursday night in the Europa League. I know it's only Ajax, and I never ah, thought I would it's say a, it's only Ajax. It's but a great win. It's a great win over there. Aston Villa win their 13th home game in a row as they beat Fulham 3-1. The Emery, ba Emery bandwagon rolls on, and Villa and Elamie are fifth. Fifth, just two points behind Spurs in fourth, by the way. Incredible. But uh, close to Manchester United with a Ten Hag match. Yeah, Ten Hag is there too, like, you know, <laughs> in your back all the time. Uh, good win, I guess. Maybe the goal they conceded uh, when they were already 3-0 up might be a little bit a better, I guess. But you can't, you can't. I think Fulham are a good a side. I, honestly, I think Fulham are a side that are better organized, that should be higher up the table than they are. So, yeah, it's not good I, I don't think you take these wins for granted. No, no, no. But they, you know, they find a way and... McKinn was outstanding, so well done to them. 13, can they, nice, they leveled, they equaled their record, their all-time club record, is that right? From 1983, so they would have a chance to beat that, of course. The Daily Mail reports, and a few others, reports that paperwork could go through this week on Sir Jim Ratcliffe's acquisition of a stake in Manchester United for £1.3 billion. Gab, this is taking a very long time, though. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like... David Moyes was the manager when they put uh, Manchester United up for sale. So, essentially, the way this works is they verbally agree a deal, but then... Is it 25%? It's 25%, but then there's apparently, there. I'm told, there's some kind of escalator where he can increase his equity stake as he puts more money into the club yeah. to work on club projects, blah, blah, blah. But they kind of agree the, the main things and then they have the due diligence stage where all the bean counters and all the nerds go over everything and they value this and they value that. Um, and none of his contracts have been signed yet. So I think it will go through. But yeah, this is long no and boring, way. basically. And yeah. it just keeps them in limbo until until this is sorted. Leon have won again, Jules. How about my man, Fabio Grosso? Oh. Still, this, despite his injury, yeah. leading them to a 1-0 win at Ron. They played for Ren. 85 minutes, 11 against 10. Ren had a red card after five minutes. Geladwe got sent off. I mean, if you even add the added time, they played for more than 90 minutes with an extra man. And yet, they almost didn't win this game. Uh, yeah, incredible. but Grosso's injured. Yeah, he only has one eye. Uh, they won't care. I get that completely. All they cared about, all they wanted was a win, regardless of how, against how many players, all of that. So good for them, for him, for the players, the fans. For to, John Texter? Not so much. You know, John, we don't really like you. But it's good. It's not convincing, but it's good. So you take that, and now you've got, for the first time in a very long time, a more peaceful international break where people, you can get some few days off. They can go to Dubai, wherever they want, to get a bit of suntan. And then they come back and try to go again because it's not if you're not going to win again for the next 12 games, that win against Rennes is pointless. They're so. still bottom, but they do have that game in hand. Yeah, true, against Marseille on December 6th. So we'll see how that goes. 
My melody sundown be without tuning in the return leg of the inaugural African Football League final. Gab, is this time something big? Uh, yep. Well, first of all, shout out to uh, uh, to my melody sundowns. They yeah. they lost the first leg two one, and they come in back Morocco. two legged. Um, to like an encounter. I'm assuming you're asking is the start of something big for the African Football League and not Mamelodi Sundowns because they're already big. They're already big. Um, I don't know. I think you got to go back and you have to see this. In, the idea was this is going to become a pan-African kind of super league and, and basically help Africa's big clubs become financially sustainable so they don't just need to, you know, they don't have to sell their talent to Europe early on. Yeah. Maybe attract more talent, attract more sponsorship. I think we can really only judge this once we see it properly, not with the kind of reduced eight-team version. I think the African Champions League, of course, kicks off was it next month, if I'm not mistaken. So we'll see these teams again. Yeah. Former Ghana international Rafael Duamena tra tragically passed away on Saturday while playing for Ignacia Rogojin in the Albanian second division. Jules, he's, he was 28. He'd been warned about his heart issues. Um, he Before, yeah. Five years ago, he almost signed for Brighton when during the medical, they actually noticed the heart issues and they, they told him about, he was the one who decided that he wanted to keep playing. Obviously, there's some leagues who allow you to play, others, as we saw with Ericsson and Blind and all of that. Some other leagues where they don't want you, they don't allow you to play when you've got heart issue. Uh, he did. This is really tragic what happened. And he, f he fell during the game. They tried to... Um, how do you say, like re revive him. Revive, and it just didn't work, nothing worked. I think he collapsed two years ago uh, as yes, well, so there was right, a warning yeah. sign. I, I would hate the, uh, I don't know, I don't know enough about them. If he's playing in the Albanian second division, I'm assuming he wasn't making a lot of money. And this is a guy, you know, he played for Levante, he's, yeah, he played, he played for, some for good clubs. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Brighton were close to signing him. I would hope he's not in a situation where he has to play to make yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, if that's it, and put his put his health at risk. Um, but it is tragic, and yeah, thoughts got to him and his loved ones. Real Madrid have parted ways with their chief medical officer, Gabi Nico Mihic. And according to reports in Marca, this would be maybe down to the frustration that came from the Arda Gula, who's yet to make an appearance after that injury he had at the start of the season. Yeah, I always find it a bit funny when teams have a lot of injuries and it's not just Real Madrid obviously we talked about Milan's yeah, injuries and so on and people start pointing fingers at the medical department um, I think you have to be a doctor and you have to have access to all their yeah, files and be exactly. an expert in all the stuff to do that so I'm hoping if Real Madrid did this it wasn't just because hey we're tired of Nico or we found somebody better I hope that people actually went analyze this and says could do we make some incorrect decisions if that's the case if it's done by actual doctors who know what they're talking about i got no issue with it i'm not comfortable with media saying oh it's because of arda guler uh he came in and he would have played more should have played for but whatever this was mishandled um it just makes me really uneasy we don't yeah. have enough information if they felt the need to do this I'm assuming that they have a good reason. Yeah, they have a reason to do it. Luis Diaz's father has been released in Colombia, and four men have been charged with kidnapping. Jules, a happy ending. Very happy ending, Gabby. I mean, we kind of knew it was coming, but still, until it's done, you just never know. You're never sure. And I think seeing Luis Diaz play through that time, whether between was the ten days, even a little bit more than that, uh, of the time where his mom and dad, and then just his dad, were obviously. Uh, before he was released, must have been an ordeal. And to see how he played, scored that goal against Luton, all of that, he played again in Europe, 
was really, I think, a credit to Luis Diaz, his mental strength, that kind of faith that he has. And now that they're all reunited, or will be very soon, because you expect that Luis Diaz is traveling there to be with Colombia anyway, it will be a very, very special moment. So it's a really good ending. We like happy ending. We do. Gotham FC have champions of, of the NWSL beating OL Reign in San Diego this weekend. Gab, this was Megan Rapino's farewell game. And he only lasted three minutes. Yeah, it was billed as Megan Rapino against Ali Krieger. Of the course, it was her last game. Right. Team, um, teammates and World Cup winners. Uh, she goes off injured after three minutes. And I think now she's retired for real. I mean, the Achilles, it would take a long time to come back. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I just, I'm really curious to know what she does next. If she wants to do it, she doesn't need to do anything next. No. She can just go and, and be Megan, right? Yeah, and um, relax with Sue Bird. I, but if she wants to continue her, her activism um, in so many fields, women's rights, LGBT rights, women's football, um, racism, you know, remember her support for Colin Kaepernick yeah. back in the day, she was one of the first people to do it. Then she has that option. Um, and I'll be curious to see what she can bring to the table in that field. I personally feel, I'm on the record for this, sometimes when she's spoken out on issues, she hasn't necessarily had the whole picture. Now she can get the whole picture oh, yeah. and she can play a really important role. And some people didn't like it. One, sometimes. some people didn't like it. Some people didn't like what she says afterwards. Yeah. After this game, I think she said like, oh, cruel ending. She said, well, it's proof that there isn't a God. Whatever your views are, and I get the spirit in which you said it, you yeah. are a public figure you're going to antagonize people who are already against you because yeah, this exactly. bounced all over yeah, certain sections yeah, of the media yeah. in the US, the non-sports media. And it's fine. It's a choice you yeah. have it's a choice that you have to make. But now she has the time, she has the energy to go and make these choices willingly. For I someone think. who's had such a great career and changed the you know the way not just the women's game, but I think sports in general has been seen or talked about to finish on this injury in the final, by the way, she never won the NWSL. This is her third final and a third loss. And to have her for ever last World Cup game after winning it twice, missing a penalty in the shootout that then right. uh, took the US out. It's, it's a bit cruel. So whether you like her or not, she was a great player. She's an icon of the game. And yet for her to finish with a penalty missed in a penalty shootout at the World Cup and then an injury in a final that her team would end up losing again, is a bit like that's not how you would right. want your career no. to end. Right. Far more cruel than say I don't know headbutting an opponent and costing ah, yourself a World Cup final. final like somebody else. That's uh, true. Once that was did. cruel as well. Which had this lovely turn of phrase. She said she talked about the growth of NWSL and she said, "Yes, I feel like I'm the proud gay aunt now uh, looking uh, down uh, at, at thirty-eight. The, at yeah. Said, yeah, absolutely." Joseph brings us to an end, but we gotta come back on Thursday yes. because you know what? It's that weird lull before the internationals and after what? league football where we wonder what are we gonna talk about? France against Gibraltar, if you want. Here we go. There you go. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. Until then, love the game, love your neighbor, love yourself. <laughs> <laughs>